The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. So Jesse, um, this is the lead of, of my story today, but I just wanted to uh, to open the show by by paying up with an in memoriam segment, kind of. You know, hmm. um, we have uh, like Sarah McLaughlin. You know, I will remember you going in the background. I didn't know you were a good singer. You never told me that. Uh, I'm not a good singer. If well, you could just have heard that, thank you. That was beautiful. Um, uh, because last night at roughly 11:45 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, the concept of leverage in hockey passed away. Um, surrounded peacefully, surrounded by family and friends, um, it will not soon be forgotten. But it has died because, like I said, at 11:45 p.m. on a Friday night. I was playing video games with Steve Dangle and James Myrtle and, and a bunch of people. And the Matthew to Chuck trade dropped. And not just did it, not, it wasn't just your mere Matthew to Chuck, to Chuck trade. It was, it was the biggest trade of the last 15 years. I will say, wow, that is my hot take. I, I could not find, I researched it a lot this morning. I could not find the last time a, 200 point players two players who were coming off 100 point seasons were traded for each other and and then when you also factor in how a number one like a top pairing defenseman was just chucked in there as a throw-in and then we did and we haven't even touched upon like a decent little prospect and a first round pick in there as well followed by the eight-year extension and the fact that this was the first sign and trade in nhl history apparently um, because Tuchuk actually signed the contract the as a first frame. one in NHL history. Yes, this is the first signing trade in I'm NHL history. At that, um, I think all those factors bring it together. Because just for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know, Matthew Tuchuk was traded from the Calgary Flames to the Florida Panthers last night in exchange for Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, a 2025 first round pick, and prospect Cole Schwint, and then Matthew Tuchuk immediately, or I guess already before he got traded, signed an eight year contract extension worth $9.5 million to be with the Florida Panthers for the, his entire prime, essentially. Jesse, did you, were you awake when this happened? No, I fell asleep. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. I feel like I mean, a lot of people did that. I, I wanted to live dangerously as a father on a Friday night. I had had a long week and I said, I'm going to stay up till midnight on this Friday. How'd that go? It didn't. <laughs> My phone was blowing up. Baby woke up in the middle of the night. I saw it. And I, I, I saw that Kachuk had been traded. Yeah. But I didn't read the details. So I just was like, oh, I went back to bed. And then I woke up and I, I looked at my phone. And I see what happened. What has taken place? Yes. Um, go ahead, because I got thoughts and I'm going to let you start. No, I'm, I'm just going to say, like, it was extremely fun to I'm going to try and get I'm going to try and get someone who I was playing with to clip it because we were all playing NHL together on. I was just asking you what game you were playing. We were playing NHL 22. Uh, I believe we were probably losing a game of some sort. You got to be a pro team. You got to have a club team. I mean, uh, yeah, we have a club. We have the Dangle yep. Navy. 
um dangle navy okay yeah it's pretty good uh, uh you know it's it's me it's uh james myrtle it's steve dangle it's tic tac tomar on twitter i'm not sure if you yeah i'm from him. yep uh ian tollick oh um, ian's on the team yeah ian's there uh he's our he's our team he's at we actually made him the mascot of the team <laughs> as well we because you can design a mascot so we made just a big ginger guy with a tail yeah <laughs> and, and that's him and then called him ian tollick like now on, let me ask you a question on this yeah. I'm going to put you on, on the spot. Oh, hit me. Right. Hit me. Let's yeah. Go. Okay. Of that group. Right. Like who's like, who's the weak link? Um, okay. I like, I am getting better. Okay. I say no more. Uh, say no more. No, no, no. I'm pretty, I'm decent. I've moved, I've moved to the, like to D and I'm a lot better on D. Like I, okay. the thing is I, I take a ton of penalties. That's the problem. Like poke check. Yes. I'm more, I'm more of a hooking guy. Now I used to be a poke check, but now, now I'm, now I'm like spamming X whenever I get in the corner and I always get a guy. I, I was just going to ask you if you, cause there's nothing that'll drive people crazy quicker, Michael, than you poke check spamming. Cause that's going to put you in the box. But here's the thing. So I've gotten a lot better cause I'm on D now. And, yeah. and for a while I was like our leading scorer up front because I, all I would do is score goals and take penalties. That's all I would do. I was, I was frigging uh, uh, Tom Wilson, except I could score even better. Um, but but here's the thing. So Ian is simultaneously, I would say like maybe are like one or two because we also have three guys, Jim, Brad, and uh, and Nick who are not yet in the media, mm-hmm. um, but are upcoming. Sure, um, young pups. And, yes, especially Nick. Nick is going to be a star one day. I'm putting I'm putting it out there. Um, but he's only 19, uh, so he's no he's pressure. Just, Nick, he's frat. He's jail bait basically when it comes to the uh, to 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 the hockey media world, but. I would say Ian is is up there when it comes to skill, but this guy has no hockey sense. I love Ian. I love him to death, but this man makes some of the most bizarre decisions <laughs> with a controller in his hand. Drop passing on breakaways, walking the line for no reason, holding it for no like yeah. it's the like like I said. There's like he is. I'm thankful that he's on a team because I feel like without him, I would be the team punching bag, but Ian's really the, can I ask you about a question about Ian? Does he call for it a lot? Um, yes. Okay. So what happens is because Ian's a D Ian's D. So he, Ian, so he's playing with you. So, so this Ian is I now usually, but, but, but your point here, Mike, about him taking these magical journeys, mm-hmm. that's even worse as a defenseman. Though. Like, you know, so you now know that I mean? I've switched to D it's I'm, I'm really getting the Ian Tullock experience and I don't yeah. want to make this a, an Ian slander segment because he's no, great just, and I love Ian, but this is a growing experience for him. Exactly. Yep. Um, and I think this is the way of Kali, Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I think this is the wake of Kali needs because Holy smokes, Jesse, I feel like, like we have had, <laughs> you're, you're like, basically saying to me, Ian's Mike Matheson. I guess so. No, yeah. Ian's no, he, he, his name in like, you can customize what name they call sure. it for you in yeah. the game. It's Tyson Barry. Like in the, like whenever he gives it away, it's oh giveaway by Barry, like 50 times a game. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I'm back. I'm back to 2019, 20. You know, it's crazy, but. So it's probably um, killing your stats, Mikey. Cause you got to cover for him all the time. Right. You got to be the responsible one back there. Yeah. You Log- know, yeah. See the thing is, like in terms of penalties, like I like I have no like to stand. <laughs> You're also on. in the box so, a lot, yeah. So, so I, I it's bad, but um, yes, we're all playing together, and I and just the unfolding. Back to the trade, yeah. Yes, well, it, it's funny because the unfolding of the details of the deal because they came out like the the actual trade was announced first, then the extension was announced, and then the return, and it was like just it was like that Vince McMahon me- meme where he like he he just k- slowly gets crazier before he falls over in his chair. Like it was, it was like Matthew to Chuck, like, whoa, uh, eight year extension. Whoa. For Hirudo Uyghur first in the prospect. Whoa. Like it was, it was insane. Um, 
I like I want to hear you. I want to hear everything you have to like you have to say on this, because like I said, this was the I mean, this is like an NBA level trade. Like this reminds me of like a Woj bomb. Yeah, 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 for sure. So a couple things. I did the first one uh, is North America as a whole is really disrespecting Mackenzie Weaver today. Bad. I, it's yeah, he's he's extremely good. <laughs> like percentiles last year, uh, offensively. Uh, this is Jay Fresh and uh, P- Pat Bacon's uh, data. Um, 97th percentile um, even strength offense, 95th percentile even strength defense amongst his peers. Um, didn't play a lot on the power play. I think that you know probably killed him a little bit. But um, you know, 97th percentile defensive war last year. And this is the, the people are gonna throw the, like do you see the word elite thrown around, Mikey? Like this is it. This is incredible. Dude skates like flowing water, <laughs> like, like uh, uh, patrols the blue line, like his reverse pivot, like toes the line, like dances across it beautifully, like very Gonchar like in that retrieves the puck, like an animal breaks the puck out of the zone, like an animal. The definition I think of what it means to be a two-way defenseman in 2020 plays in Florida. Nobody gave a shit this year, but you know, like the team was good, but like, you know, it is what it is. Like people weren't to hone, they weren't honed in on it. They weren't watching hockey night, him on hockey night in Canada every Saturday. Right. Like we got to talk about that. Like it's, it's an exposure thing. That's what it is. Right. He wasn't, he didn't have that level of exposure. So people see this trade, the name Jonathan Uberto pops to everybody. Yes. Even the casual, you know, um, uh, you know, once a week hockey fan, um, the Kachuk name is going to pop. For most people, most people don't know who Mackenzie Weger is. A lot of people in my mentions today were talking about him like he was a second pair depth defenseman. No, this guy's going straight on to Calgary's top pairing and is going to eat a load of minutes for them. So my question is, did Florida get better today? Because I heard about them getting younger all day long. Yes, of course. All that's that's the main. I heard about them getting younger. But did they, does getting younger to me is irrelevant if your team is worse. I don't right? think they did. <laughs> I I don't think they got better. You know, I was huge lo- hole defensively. Huge. Oh, I was I was looking at their roster after this, and like like just on cat friendly because I wrote like a big sort of feature on it. They don't they don't move me. Yeah. They don't like it is it doesn't do anything for me, dude. Mark Stahl is penciled in on their second pair. Like it's it it's listen. I think they did a great job in um. They did a great job in getting like a superstar type player. Like Matthew Chuck is a gosh darn superstar. Like yeah. players, I think we. I also think we need to to understand that we've become kind of desensitized to this a bit. In that, um, just in, in in that, I would say, what am I trying to get here? We become desensitized to the fact that that Matthew Chuck just because his trade request or whatever, it's not an official trade request. It was him saying he's not going to sign. Has been out there for so long. I think that's sort of diminished the fact that like a player like this, he has, he's not even 25 yet. He's coming off a 42 goal, 104 point season. He's he, he, he has that sort of, you know, incredible combination, that perfect combination of, you know, high end skill, size, grit, like sort of just like pestilence that GMs frankly search their entire tenures to find. And yeah. some, some of them don't. And for a guy like that to be available, it just doesn't happen. 
And I think that a contender and what I've wanted NHL teams to do forever is a contender should go out and get a player like that when it becomes available. The Panthers did that. That's great. And they signed him to a deal that will take him through his entire prime and at a, at a cap hit that once the salary cap recovers from COVID will start to look really, really good at the same time though. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to get rid of these two guys that are on expiring deals for next season, that they're approaching the age of 30 that you would have to resign and get and, and pay the most for what will likely be their weakest years. But in the immediate future, and keep in mind, the Flor- Florida is trying to win right now. They're not trying to win, you know, uh, you know, in a couple of years when the salary cap is up and they can say, look at all our cap space, you know, with the Johnny, Johnny uh, or with the, the Matthew DeChuck sign. This is great. They're trying to win now. They don't have a first round pick until 2026, man. That's not a real year. So, yeah, here's the full breakdown. If we look at everything they've done from the trade, then went up to today. So for Matthew Kachuk, uh, 20 games of Claude Giroux and Ben Sherratt, the Florida Panthers have given up. Jonathan yes. Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Owen Tippett, who himself was a former top 10 pick, uh, a first rounder in 23, 24, and 25, a third rounder in 24, and two of their prospects. That's nuts. That's insane. Like, that is absolutely insane. And I don't want to downplay how good Matthew Kachuk is because the guy's, the guy's unbelievable. Like, last year for him was, you know, um, a revelation, but you said it, Mike, like everyone knew this was going to happen, right? Like the story was public. He wasn't going to resign there. Yeah. He was going to be traded. Uh, I think about the Philadelphia flyers, you know, ironically enough in their trading of Claude Giroux, right? Like I know it was at the deadline, but like everyone knew, right? Like this was going to happen. And, and the flyers had to be kind of like, tempered a little bit and what they could expect to get back for Giroux, regardless of how much of a generational player he was for them, regardless of his legacy with the team, regardless of all that, there was no leverage, right? They didn't have it. They, everybody knew what the story was. And that should have been the case here, right? Like to your point, like it died, it's deceased. I don't understand how something like this takes place to the extent that it does. Like if it was just Uber to like, whoa, like what a deal. That's you a crazy know, like, swap. These are two players of relative similar, I would say like outputs and, and skill levels, you know, like I can understand that makes sense. Sure. This on the other hand, and I'm going to ask you this too, Mike, like where, where is Florida now? So you mentioned uh, your second pairing, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, Mark Stahl is going to, right it's Radko Gudis, by the way, will be his partner. So Mark Stahl and Radko Gudis <laughs> is your second pairing. And, uh, and going you look at your first pairing too. It's it's probably what Gustav Forsling, Forsling and Aaron Ekblad, yeah. And Ekblad's great. You could win a Norris next year, but yeah, like this is your decor now. It's yeah. it's Ekblad, Montour, Forsling, Gudis, Cali Sialin, twenty two year old. Don't know who that is. Lucas Carlson, Mark Stahl. Yeah, that's not great. No, not at all. And your your goaltender, you know, uh, isn't traditionally known for playing super well in uh, the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah. So, and then your other goaltender is 21 years old. Yeah. So uh, Florida, their identity this year was one that I thought was very fun, like lit off, right? Like we're just going to play balls to the wall offense. We have yeah. guys like Barkov in the lineup and Alexander Barkov, who's, you know, perennial sulky candidate um, and can play balls to the wall offense at the same time, you know, taking care of business in his own end. I don't understand, Mike. I got a lot of comments today 
in my mentions about this trade that were like, this is what the Leafs should have done. This is what the Penguins should have done. With huh? who? They, 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 the, that losing culture shouldn't be acceptable. But like, I don't get that take. Like, if you're Florida, you developed and cultivated this, this really cool identity, right? Yeah. That albeit reckless, sure. <laughs> yeah, we could all agree with that. And like, you got exposed by Tampa's good D. Like you did, like your run and gun style of play kind of got chewed up in the playoffs by the best defense, one of the best defensive hockey teams in the league. But you bailed on it so fast. It's just, there's no commitment here to me. You got rid of your coach who, you know, uh, <laughs> where do we start? Like how good of a year he had. You, you, you had this him with Paul Maurice too. Who literally is the antithesis. He's of going the style to make of them play. so boring. Yeah, like it, it. So you ship out Uyghur, you ship out, and I guess, I guess to to your point, Mike, like that makes sense, right? Like Paul Maurice, what's he going to do with Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Uyghur? <laughs> like, yeah. come on! But like, you just pivoted so fast. I don't really feel like you you respected your plan enough to like let it flourish and mature at all. You know, you you were one and done with uh, a team that a lot of t- a lot of folks. And you look at my bracketology, I had him in the Eastern Conference final, or the, 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 uh, yeah, the Eastern Conference final. Uh, a lot of people had him in the cup final. They were that good this year. Uh, what I just don't understand how you move on from that so fast and, and get this completely different identity. Well, here's the thing is that one of the, one of the Panthers ever stuck to a blueprint because you think back, they, they brought in Dale Talon and they went and they're like, all right, we're doing pugnacity. You know, we're doing this. It's going to be great. Yeah. And that didn't work. So then they went, all right, we're going full computer boys. We're going to fire Gerard Gallant and we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to get all these analytical and, and, you know, analytical pieces and the computer boys are going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. And then that lasted what, like two years. And they want, you know what? Screw this. We're bringing Dale Talon back, baby. And then yeah. that was terrible. You know, Dale Talon is a, is a, just a profoundly bad hockey executive. And they, and, and so that didn't work. And they went, all right, now we're going to go to Bill Zito, baby. And then Bill Zito, he had, a, he, he assembled a great team last year, uh, the best team in the league in the regular season. And it didn't work in, in the second round. And they went, all right, well, time to pivot again. You know, like they don't, I listen, there's a lot that I, you know, there, 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 there's, there's value to like sticking to your guns. Like I don't agree. And, and I hate to always make everything about the lease, but just because of the team I cover and they're, in the market like it's easier it's it's just easier to uh um to relate it to but like look do i agree with kyle dubas going out and getting friggin matt murray and, and doubling down on on these like small sort of like skilled players and trying to probably not not really but i respect the fact that he's like this is my like this is my plan i'm gonna see it through and if it doesn't work i'm going down with the ship and there's something to respect for that uh in in that you've just like you've exhaust you exhaust every opportunity yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick with your plan, you know. And if it does, and if it doesn't work, then all right. Well, then that's like that's your job. You stake your claim on it. Um, whereas the Panthers, and again, I love like it's very. You have to keep evolving in hockey, and and I think you know my example with the Leafs. I think they've proven that they've done that, and whether or not that actually pays off, we'll see. But like this was just such a like I think getting a guy like Matthew Chuck, fantastic, and I think in terms of a- like asset management, listen in just this trade alone, like they opened up a ton of cap space. Um, they, they got, I would, I got, they got, I would probably say the best player in the trade. Um, and they also sort of traded an asset that was about to command like double digits on his next deal, even though he's about to be 30. 
Um, and then Uyghur was going to command a lot of money, even though I, I feel like that's tough to, to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like just, just to immediately go like, all right, we, it didn't work this one season. All right. Time to, time to reverse course again. It just doesn't make sense. Not just reverse course, Mikey, do 180. Like we're going to do yeah. the exact opposite of what we did. And, and, and the, let's also acknowledge, and I don't want to, you know, this is not me shitting on Paul Maurice, who is a very good coach, right? He is. He's a very good coach. And I think eh. like, did good. He's, a good, he's okay. Right. How about that? He's okay. He, what has he accomplished? <laughs> so nothing. Right. So, but yeah. here, so it's going to get worse for him, I think. And the reason I say that is that I think the trend discernibly mm-hmm. having watched the Stanley cup final, having yep. watched the playoffs is uh, a breakout these days that is either run by your D in that they're going to take it and go kill McCarr, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Um, the Leafs have that, right. They have that all over the place or uh, it's going to be really it, fast in the sense that you're going to go uh, North as quick as, as possible. You want your forwards up, right. You want them above the D you want these long stretch passes. That's, that's what the league is, right? The longer you take on the breakout, the quicker these talented teams are going to eat alive they're going to kill you you're not going to be able to break you're not going to be able to do it we should just and cut it, that it's like the longer you take the, the quicker these teams <laughs> are going to eat your ass <laughs> yeah Pierre, cut it cut right, it right there the whole show yeah so the point i'm making is that like that florida was in that they, they tapped into that vein mike like they, mm-hmm. they were hooked up to it so well yeah and they needed to tinker right is what they needed to do they had areas that they needed to address ways that they could improve that roster yeah we went in a completely opposite direction. Like you said, the, the ship has completely turned around. Now, from this perspective for Calgary, imagine what life would be like for them if Nazem Kadri hadn't said no already at one point. Like that, that would have just been the perfect marriage given the moves that they've made today. Yep. Like, yep. and the, what the makeup of that team looks like now, had they been able to go out and get Kadri? Oh, it would be great. Can you imagine, can you imagine a first line of Kadri? Um, Kadri Huberto and Elias Lindholm. That's disgusting. It's so much fun to watch. That's downright erotic. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know. I'm not. That's not based no, on inside information. No, he's he's already said no. He's already said That would be fun. How do you feel about Calgary's attempts to, uh, you know, replace replace Johnny Hockey? Like, if they they haven't, I don't know if they've done it. I don't think they've done it. It's a different. It looks different now, though. I think mm-hmm. is the, is is the end result here, right? Well, you know what? I think this is a perfect sort of. I think this is a perfect move for them. Like, I think the fact that they were able to take what was shaping up to be like a legitimately devastating, like franchise crippling off season and turn it into, you know, something like this, like, like an op- an opportunity for optimism is just mm-hmm. like a remarkable feat. Like I, like I am, I'm blown away that they were able to pull out this return uh, for Matthew to Chuck, given the lack of, like I said, the lack of leverage that they seemingly had. Uh, the fact that this is a player who is like, I will not sign with you. So you ha- like they're forced to trade him and they still got, you know, a guy who just set the single season record for assists by a left winger um, and also outscored the player that he is uh, uh, that he just got traded for. They got a top pairing defenseman. They got a they got a first round pick and a prospect. Um, and obviously th- these two guys go into free agency um, uh, uh, at the end of this season is going to play a factor here and that's why they were able to be included. But I also look at this and I go, that's, this is great because that contract, the, the contract status, these players gives Calgary one year, one season to decide what they're going to, what they're going to be for the next little bit. If they can, if, if they can, like if they're good and they can convince uh, either one of Huberto or 
um, Uyghur to re-sign, that's great. Then that means that they're going to be contending for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. and they can lock that in, and we're good to go, and they can operate as a team that is looking to contend and go for it for the next you know, couple of years or however, however long uh, Huberto's extension is going to be. And they still have a pretty good team around them. Like, like when you think about that, they have a lot, like it wasn't just a one line team last year. You know, when they re-signed Mangiapani, they have him, they have, you know, they have Tyler Toffoli. They have guys who can, who can produce Elias Lindholm. Like I said, you know, Tanev, Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson. Guys Rasmus back Anderson back. will look great with Mackenzie. We guys, exactly. that'll be great, great partnership. They have a Vesna nominee in net. The guy mm-hmm. just was nominated for the Vesna, you know, and he's locked in for the foreseeable future. Like, and they have a guy in Dustin Wolf. Who's a, you know, who, who's a prospect coming up. who could potentially take the baton. Like it's, like they have a really good core around them, but, and keep in mind, they just, um, they just failed to do what they're going to have, what they're likely going to try to do with Uyghur and, and uh, uh, <clears throat> Uyghur and Huberto in with, uh, they just failed to do that with Goudreau and Tuchuk in, in convincing them to stay, convincing them to resign, convincing them to lock their, their futures. And, you know, their I would say their, their most lucrative earning years um, into Calgary. Uh, because you, you would think based on the trajectory that the, that Huberto and Uyghur, the contracts they are going to sign next off season will be the most lucrative of their career. So mm-hmm. being the longest and likely the most lucrative of their career, they're going to want to cash in. They're going to want to um, go to a place where they can, where they feel like they can win. And Calgary just failed to convince both of these players who have been in the organization for at least six years um, that that's a good place to do it. But in that, in the, in the event that happens, they now have like, like almost certainly and barring some crazy scene of events, the two most valuable trade ships of the deadline. If it, if it seems like it doesn't work out by then, and then they can use those pieces that they, that they get for the, uh, for these two players to facilitate a rebuild and go into an actual honest to goodness rebuild. Um, so what, what I like about this is yet, yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk involved in getting these guys uh, uh, based on, you know, their contract, their contract status and all that, but it gives them a year to figure out who they are and it could go either way. And I think either outcome works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's just a nice, it's a nice quick pivot for Calgary is what it is. It's just a yes. nice quick pivot for them. Um, I, I think don't know how they did it. I don't know how they got this return. Based I don't on their leverage. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, this, like I said, this should not have happened. And if you really look, at the prices that Florida has paid. Um, we've, we both agree. All due respect to Matt Kachuk. Their team is worse now having made this trade, um, yes. having, having lost Uberto and Uyghur. And uh, you've got absolutely nothing coming in the way of uh, picks. This, this is what I, I, you know, this comment, I don't, and I'm, I don't know who made it to me on Twitter. I apologize, whoever it was, but somebody astutely pointed out to me today. Like, if you think about teams, dynastic teams, like the Penguins, the Blackhawks, et cetera, et cetera, like they could have really screwed themselves and destroyed their ability to win more than one cup by operating like this. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like Florida has has mortgaged a future for nothing now. Like they don't, they're no closer to getting to the goal. And I would say they're even a step back. Yeah, have dumped away all these futures and, and look like drafting development, like this is all what it is. There's no guarantees, you know, they're, they're going to be much happier to have a, a sure thing in Matthew Kachuk, but you know, 
you've got to have the ability. Look at their cap situation now. It's a nightmare. They're still 3.375 million over the cap. Over this, so you've got to reduce somewhere else. Uh, and you know that that's just why uh, you there's such an importance on cheap entry level talent, homegrown talent that you can put on a cheap entry level deal to supplement these major contracts you're throwing out. You've essentially neutered uh, your ability to do that by mortgaging. Uh, a lo- uh, like you said, you're, it's 2026 uh, before you're picking in the first round. Yeah, that's that's insane. Um, and you, you better be, you know, you can live with that. And, and I, I think like everybody in Pittsburgh did it. Like nobody gave a crap about the first round pick when they were winning the cup, you know, nobody cared, you know, you knew you were going to eat it later and it was going to be problematic later. And now's that later, you know, this is that later now we're living in it. Uh, but Florida didn't have the, like the hardware is not there. Like you can't, you're, you're, you're acting as if you just won the cup. You know, I just, I don't understand the mentality. I don't get the, I don't know that there is a plan. You know, to, to pivot this quickly, it almost, you do you not get the feeling, and I'm like ranting about this, but do you not get the feeling that like the people in charge there like loathed that, that fun style of hockey? Do you not get the sense that like to them, that was almost like unacceptable to win yeah. like that? Like, like, like I'd rather lose than, than continue to play that style. I don't know, man, that's so stupid. And it, and to me, like the further we get, you know, uh, into the game and the law, like the more talent we see, the faster the game gets, it's going to be so easy, Mike, to pick these people out because mm-hmm. they're going to fail so hard, dude. They, it, yeah. It's going to be a flagrant, just getting eaten. You're, you're getting your eaten again. Like we said earlier, you can't keep up with these teams playing these systems like this. You can't do it. So, you, you know, you, you, we said you were tapped in, you were there, you had it. It's gone now. Good luck getting it back. And I don't want to say Matt Kachuk's like this garbage, like oh, you know, he's defense. fantastic. He's a really good player, but like Paul Maurice is his coach now too. And you know? gave so like, and you gave up too much for him. Like I'm sorry, yeah. you just did. Like it's it yeah. like he's incredible, but you traded another incredible player and an incredible defenseman and a first round pick and a prospect who had a really good season in the AHL last year, who will likely be an NHL player moving forward. You know, maybe not a top six guy, but a bottom six guy, which is still good. He's not making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you traded all that for a player who, yes, is is an, a superstar, but like you depleted in the process now as well. Like Florida's really young. Yeah. Like, like I'm looking mm-hmm. at their, I'm looking at their cat friendly right now. They have three players total who are over 30. You know, the basically like the average age of their forward core is 26. You know, they have, you have a 20 year old, you know, like in there, everyone's 26. Everyone's like pretty much 23 to 26 in there, including their D their D core. Um, so this, so like, they also got significantly younger, um, which I think is a lot of fun, but like, but that's just like an adjective, right? Yeah. Like younger's, not good if your team's worse <laughs> you know i just can't get past that point like all these people on twitter today not you but like all these people on twitter today were like, oh, look how young they are yeah that's great like i don't know like, there are a lot of young teams in the league that are bad but like, I, don't, I don't understand i don't know i don't understand the infatuation with the youth i don't get that like like mckenzie weger and jonathan uberdo are not ancient individuals that are like certainly they're they're past their primes. Yes, absolutely. These are not players that are facing an imminent career drop off 
that's going to no. like tank their productivities. Especially not Uyghur. Like Uyghur's no. 28, like, right? Yeah, he's 28. Not even close to 30. Yeah. I don't know, man. It doesn't make sense. But listen, Florida got their guy. They're, they're, they're doubling down on it in this. And look, next in the next couple of years, uh, well, after this season specifically, Keith, like Keith Yandel's dead cap is over $5 million for them this year mm. on their buyout. Yeah. Um, and then couple that with Scott Darling's uh, dead cap on as well. I think they, they, that's probably a, uh, like a, a, a money laundering scheme that they did with, uh, with Carolina <laughs> to get rid of that, that contract. So they have $6.575 million in dead cap this year, next year, that will go away. That'll give them some extra breathing room. Hopefully the cap will, will, will increase and having a guy like Matthew Tichuk for that price is fantastic. But now you need good young players on ELCs to come in and give you some relief. And you know where you get those guys? The first round of the draft. And guess, mm-hmm. what, the, guess what they don't have until 2026? Bingo. A first round pick. So it's going to be tough. Um, so speaking of leverage, this is another team that um, that really took advantage of it is the Seattle Kraken. Because, listen, the, the, uh, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets – I love what they've, uh, you know, no, I don't love what they've done. I, I enjoy parts of what they've done this offseason. I think the fact that you locked Eric Branson up for four years of $4.4 million. We talked about that, yeah. Has, has, but like this, this has now backed you into doing something like this um, because they were well over the cap, about $6 million over the cap, really. And they, uh, which made which made them have to force, like force them to trade someone. Mm-hmm. And quizzically, after re-signing Patrick Line to $8.7 million a year for four years, we'll get into that. We'll touch on that really briefly. And then also signing Johnny Gaudreau to 9.7 and Eric Branson to four. I believe that's like 26 million or no, $22.7 million or something or 22.4 um, altogether. It's pretty tough. Um, uh, so they were forced to trade someone to get close to the, you know, the salary cap to get close to compliant. And they decided, cap casualty. and they decided to choose as the cap casualty. Um, like, Based on projections, their second best forward. Yeah, in Oliver Bjorkstrand. I don't think that's based on. I mean, that's just fact. Yeah, if he was a center, he'd be the perfect player. He's he's the type of player that like like a team like every team could want, and they got him. Seattle got him for a third and fourth round pick, which is considering what just happened to. A um like what what a player obviously not not in the same stratosphere but you know what a very good player just got who had whose team had no leverage just got traded for yeah like like if you're the Blue Jackets you got to be punching the air if you're a Blue Jackets fan at least you got to be punching the air yeah Bjorkstrand is uh, a rare case and I'll tell you why I think this is because it's very hard I think to create monumental positive defensive impacts as a winger most systems Mike. Playing defense as a wing is you just have to be present most of the time, you know, in a lot of systems. Uh, Some systems playing wing, uh, you're like the man responsible for the slot. Like you got to get down there and like take care of it. So it's, I don't want to like paint with a broad brush here, but uh, this is a guy who, uh, regardless of what side of the ice he's on, doesn't make a difference. uh, As a wing, majorly impacts what's happening in the defensive zone. That's like one of the biggest compliments I think you can give a guy. Not to mention the fact he's damn fine offensively too, and is a puck dis- distribution mastermind. Um, not to mention the you know the way he drives play and you know all those other great things. We were painting a, a picture of like a really complete two way player. So I think like that that you know 
savvy bit of it. Ron, I'll tell you what, Ron fans, Ronnie franchise <laughs> knows his defensive impact forwards. Like the man was with the living version of one for his whole career. And he's like just yanking them in by the dozens right now. Uh, that team is going to be, is, is on track Mikey to look way different than it did last year in a, in a very good way. Yes. I think that they are. Yeah. I that's think it. that's all. <laughs> like, I think, I think, sorry, I got a notification because the Marvel Comic-Con panel is, is happening right now. And for some reason, I got an email about it from Marvel just now. They didn't want like, you to miss it. You know, and, uh, and so I was just like, what the heck is this? Um, no, but yeah, Seattle, I mean, I don't agree with everything that they've done. I think it was odd to not qualify certain players. Um, I think that, you know, I think that Ron Francis royally screwed up the the expansion draft. Like, yeah, he, he big brained it. He big brained it, you know, not getting a guy like, like, think about how much more deadly that team would be now that you have Shane Wright, now that you have, you know, Matty Beniers. Now well, that also, have- too, Mikey, like, no, he, you, you should have let, and this is, I think, what a big win for Vegas was, is you should have let these GMs, like, F- Francis made that bizarre man like mandate to himself that he wasn't going to like make back um, deals or whatever yeah or like allow people to secure outcomes with him in the expansion draft for futures right mm-hmm. whereas like where vegas really made a killing there um and were able to accrue a lot of of nonsense that his general managers away. yeah manager general managers are willing to do dumb it all the time and and just the prospect of you taking one of their good players can spook them into doing some nonsensical trade that they completely lose on and i just felt like he limited himself you know by by refusing those possibilities yeah he did and but think about how much more deadly this team would be if you have bjorkstrand and burakovsky and beneers and shane wright you know and all these and all these guys and vladimir tarasenko you know Mm -hmm. something like that like it'd be great but the the ability to get oliver bjorkstrand locked in for 5.4 million for the next four years coming off a career season, you know, he does everything right. His projections look incredible. His just base stats look incredible um, to get him for a third and fourth round pick in next year's draft. That's the kind of move that a team that's looking to get better like Seattle, that's the kind of thing that launches them. Like that's the kind of thing we look back, you know, if they ever become a contender, we will look back at that trade and go like, okay, that's when they started to build. Every team sort of gets a stroke of luck when it comes to acquiring a player like that, you know, where they strike when the iron's hot or they get a player, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a KHL signing or, you know, a guy, you a guy you drafted in, in like, you know, the third round who becomes a stud or, or, you know, or a trade like this, you know, most of these contending teams, you know, something like that happens. Like even Colorado getting, getting ties or getting Nazem Kadri for the price they did because they struck when the iron's hot and they got someone like that at a cap it like that for the price they paid. It was nothing, you know, like, like I could, I could go on. Um, and I think if, if Seattle does blossom into the contender, they want to be one day, we'll look back and we'll go all oh, the Bjork strand trade. Like that's really when we started to go, okay, this team is like, this is, this is their real upswing. Yeah. Uh, just a note on the on the uh, you know dollar per impact you get here. Yes, uh, Bjorkstrand is making five point four million dollars for the next four years, right? Ninety mm-hmm. second yeah. um, percentile um, even strength WAR um, among forwards last year. So that is incredible. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know I don't know, man. We just undervalue defense, Mike. We do. I think we just we undervalue good defensive forwards. And I think this is a guy that probably falls into that bucket. So, yeah. 
man. Um, all right. Patrick Liney, speaking of the Blue Jackets, four years, 8.7 million, ridiculous overpay. Holy yeah. smokes, man. There's no reason this number should start with an eight. What the <laughs> hell? What the hell is this? What is going on here? I always love when GMs are labeled as these master negotiators, these tough as nails guys, and then they yeah. immediately just throw out money and we just ignore it and, and just to keep the narrative alive. Like Lula Morello being hailed as this master negotiator when he gave Ian Kovalchuk a 17-year contract and Nikita Zaitsev a seven-year extension that is now among the worst contracts in the entire league. Like Bogs my mind, and now Yarmo Kekalainen. We all, we all, we always hear. You know, he's he's almost like Lou Amorelli. Like he's just like he will hammer you in negotiations. He just gave Patrick Laine almost nine million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Laine, who like decides whether or not he wants to be a good hockey player based on the weather. You know. So okay, yeah, and then like not great at scoring and even strengths. No, and he doesn't all. play any defense. And, Any. and none whatsoever. And people will be like, oh, last year, last year. Like, no, no, no. The even strength scoring thing. That's like, that's four years in a row? Three? Like, that's not new. Uh, I also don't, I think he's sloppy technical. Like, I, I, you know, I think of like pure goals, like pure, just guys who are just snipers, right? And like the kind of shot that they had. And I think line is, is more like haphazard. It's good. It's his skill set is unique, but it's haphazardly unique. You know, I don't consider him shot wise to be like on the same tier as the elites in the league. Like uh, I, that's his, it's his whole bag, right? It's like what his game is predicated on, but it's just not, to me, it's not honed in enough. You know, I think it's haphazard is the word I would use. Again, he's haphazardly a good pure goal scorer. <laughs> I just don't think that I don't think I don't think it's like reliably technical. I just don't. Uh, and like you said, man, defensively, it's just a black hole. So what about like compare this deal to Brian Rust? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a really good player. Like, you know, I'd be a Pittsburgh spin, but like Brian Rust, like superb defensively drives play better, making peanuts compared to this. I just that's this is so much money. This is so much money. I would give this money to guys who are knocking on the door of 50. <laughs> like if they're like if you're if you're if you're coming to me, Mike, and you're saying, um defensively, I might as well not even be out there. I'm like, I'm not just like a bad <laughs> defensive player. Like I am a I am a negative impact defensively. Can't put me out on the penalty kill. Don't even think about it. Um, I'm not going to score a ton at even strength, right? Like blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just, you, you'd have to be scoring a load of goals <laughs> for me to want to pay you this money. Like with the peripherals, like just looking at the peripherals and, and Patrick Laine is not scoring a load of goals. So I don't know. I mean, his finishing rate is disgusting. I mean, it is like, it, like he was 95th percentile, I think based on Jay Fresh's uh, and Pat Bacon's uh, uh, percentile model breakdown. Um, but again, like drove play offensively and defensively, like sub fifth percentile of the national hockey league. I don't know. I don't know, man. This is just a drunk one to me. It's, it's, it's really tough to, to rationalize this. Like, like, <sighs> Especially because, like, you just went out, you got Johnny Goudreau in a stroke of, in a miracle, really. 
And Patrick Line would be a great player to play alongside him. That's fantastic. But he didn't have much leverage. You are the one who had the leverage. You have his rights. You just got a player he really wants to play, uh, play with. You could have said, listen, like you've really done, you haven't done much to, to convince us that you're, you're like an elite goal scorer. Mm. So we could bridge you again. Or you can take this very reasonable contract, play with this player and be happy and be part of something really fun and exciting and special. And instead they went, nah, we'll give you well above your market rate. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get we'll give you we'll give you one million dollars less than a guy who just scored one hundred and fifteen points, 40, uh, you know, 40 goals uh, and was a heart trophy candidate. We're, we'll do that. If you're into vibes, though. Yeah, vibe, uh, you know. he wear but he wears sunglasses to the yeah. rink every once in a while. So that's pretty cool. Vibes um, are cool. And then uh, uh, Pierre Dubois accepting his uh, uh, his qualifying offer. I don't know. Like I, I this guy, look, I'm all for player empowerment. I really am. Um, but, but what he's doing is ridiculous. And if I was a team like the Habs, I don't even know if I'd want him right now. Hmm. I would go like, what, what's going to, what, like, is he just going to change his mind on us in, in two years? We're just going to mortgage the farm from him. He's going to change his mind. Uh, what's, what's the, what do you think the hockey universe's Pierre-Luc Dubois reputation is. What's his reputation as a player? Paint oh, it for he's, me. He's a, he's a, he's got size. He's got skill. He's two way. He's, you know, two he's way. a real, there he's it a real is. responsible defensive player as well as offense. He's not you know? good defensively. No. He's defensively. <clears throat> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. But he's, but he's big. And therefore that I don't, means yeah. he's good at defense. What a terrible correlation that is he's just not good maybe he is i don't i don't i don't know how someone could be good defensively well i understand it like you could be good defensively and be on a team right but like sam reinhardt great example right like really good defensively but buffalo wasn't was was trash when he was on that team uh all what i'm saying is is i just don't understand how somebody can consistently have this level of like underwhelming results defensively but still carry the moniker of being such you know like eventually i feel like that stuff dies out you know i don't know it just it he's bucked the trend and um has managed to carry that reputation along with him you know in spite of the actual video and data (laughs) associated with his play so that's unique you don't see that a lot no you don't it's it's pretty nuts all right Producer Connor here interjecting very quickly with a content warning. Mike and Jesse will be discussing sexual assault and the situation surrounding Hockey Canada right now. So that's the rest of the show. If you got this far and you'd like to tune out, please do. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, it's it's never easy to take a, a, a turn like this. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the hockey world is always doing this is we're talking about fun stuff. It's great. And then uh, uh, they throw just some of the most vile, terrible things that could possibly happen in the world right at us. And uh, it was the, you know, it's the, re- the revelation of the, the 2018 um, alleged assault by eight players of the 2018 uh, world junior championship uh, gold medal winning Canadian roster. Um you know, multiple players would come out with statements saying that they were not involved in it or, or were not like, did not participate or stuff like that. Um, but what 
really, and, and you know, like at a certain point, we're going to use process of elimination and kind of figure out who was involved here. And, and that's not a day that I'm look. That's a that's a day that I'm looking forward to for justice, but maybe not a day I'm looking forward to for discourse. Um, yeah, but great, well put. Thank you. Um, but there is one. The thing that that you and I we were talking before we started this, uh, before we started recording this, and the thing that I am extremely not uh, looking forward to, um, or not looking, uh, the thing that I that that really made me sick is that hockey is being revealed. The Hockey Canada takes, I believe, it's six dollars of the thirty six dollar registration fee uh, that people pay um, at the start of the at the start of every season, and they put it into an account that is no that they use to um, to settle cases like this for essentially hush payments yeah so the fund wasn't intended for that right and i'm i I have it i had it somewhere and i've lost it um the name of the fund uh but you know it's essentially the money was being slushed uh to go towards um you know paying off uh situations where you know people were coming forward in you know basically talking about their assault situations mm-hmm. so this money uh you know again that was you know supposed to be um you know for for good you know for the community yes um for for the hockey community as a whole um you know is going back and you know covering up more assaults um what's it you know what's interesting as well is if you look at hockey canada's rhetoric like you look at the things that they're saying right rick westhead is uh you know at, at the heart of the of the at the journalism regarding chicago right in the blackhawk situation he's now at the heart of this he's the one that's he and katie uh strange the athletic are the ones that are breaking a lot of this information but did you notice, Mike, that like Hockey Canada, like told Rick Westhead to go to the police? Yeah, they did they, in their statement. They encouraged him to like go to the police. Him and, and his go, sources. And his sources. So they essentially and, were like, like him and his sources who, you know, are anonymous. They want them to now reveal themselves. Yeah. And I, I just think Mike, like Hockey Canada is asking Rick Westhead to do their job. Yeah. Agree it's or disgusting. disagree? Yeah, no, I, I do. It's, I, it, it blows my mind. Hockey Canada. Um, I don't like. I really think, especially now that there is another report of a of an assault in 2003 by another World Junior team. Um, the 2003 Canadian World Junior team. Uh, that's pretty much exactly the same as what happened. What is alleged to happen in 2018? It is written about Mike in a memoir. Yes, in Jordan Tutu's memoir. Teams. Yes. Um, it's right there for everyone to see. Um, I I really don't think that Hockey Canada should exist after this. Like, I really do think that everyone who's in a position of power in that organization um, should not hold it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, when we wake up like there, there, the, for this to happen, um, the rot and the dysfunction and the culture of silence that they somehow decided to say that they're against in their statement when they essentially like, you know, that's like, that's like a fire coming out against arson. You know, mm-hmm. like it's ridiculous. Um, that means that that the dysfunction and the rot has to go so deep to allow that to happen that no one should be safe. Um, mm-hmm. These like like 
you 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 fostered you fostered uh, um like an organization that gets government funding um to 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 try and promote you know like hockey the national winter sport of canada you know out into the ether uh, or out out into the out into the world and yet what we found is that you're essentially creating a breeding ground for predators mm. and and then when they get called on you have a fund ready to sweep it under the rug these are like we it's easy to look at these things and go and and, and focus on the it's easy to look at these things and, fo- and focus on the the perpetrators of it the people who commit these acts um and go oh we need to bring them to justice but i think it's also important to to take for a second to put ourselves in the victim's shoes think about how many people's lives have been ruined by these by these acts that that they now have a they're not just letting people get away with things they are ruining lives in the process and you know it, it is just we have to say like there's a lot of you know we hear victims say this so speaking on behalf of victims who talk about these things and talk about like the the difficulty of discussing this right but then like the 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 closure they get from it the therapeutic nature of that of like seeing uh the people who abused you get brought to justice there's like a you know it doesn't heal things by any major you know any major um but it it helps right? it can help yep. and and you've got this whole group of people god knows how many mike under these NDAs that have been paid money. They'll never get that moment. Their time will come when it expires. Right. And that, I don't know, man, it's crazy. And, and, and you know what else I've been thinking about? And this is like, I don't want to drag on and on about this, but Mm -hmm. Akeem Alou. Yeah. I've been thinking about his story and the story of being on a bus in junior, right. All those years ago. Yep. And, and all the that went on and the hazing, like, you know, that, so you, what I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Mike, is that like this culture piece, right? Like, I agree with what you said about like Hockey Canada as an institution. Mm-hmm. I, very, I very much think that we all felt the same way about the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, it, it extends far past right. Hockey Canada. You get into the, the roots of the game, right? And like where the game is, is grown, um, where it's played at the lowest levels and, and like... I don't know, man. It seems like such a monumental effort to fix this problem. Like this is a generations long, like we can impact a whole lot of things right now. Right. But if you want to root this, if you want to get it down into like the ugly nooks and crannies and you want to root this out, dude, it's going to like, we got so much work to do. We got so much work to do. And if you don't believe me, go look at the replies on Twitter. Like go look at what people are saying about this. And like the, and I get the internet's like, you can only take it so seriously and people would do whatever they want and say whatever they want. There's no accountability, but like the just sheer disrespect and, and lack of empathy, the lack of even want to listen at all. Like, no, I'm going to protect the sport at all costs. Um, you know, they, enough. Like that, that is, I don't know. There's just so many things Mike that are preventative uh, to fixing this issue. Um, and, and, and if you think about some of the names, you know, on that Oh three team, yeah. uh, you know, potential hall of fames, uh, yeah. hall of famers, maybe it takes, you know, something like a name like that to truly, you know, drive that change home. You know, I don't know. 
but uh, whatever is coming is just gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. At the end of the day, this is a game. It's a sport. And are we gonna sacrifice human lives? You know, like in a literal and sort of like metaphorical sense, to perpetuate a game where you slap a rubber disc around an ice, like around a, a sheet of ice with knife shoes on. That's a decision that we're going to have to make, you know? Um, and I really hope that I really hope that we come to a place to make the right one, because I think the right one is to gut pr- hockey pretty much from top to bottom, like hockey Canada, especially, you know, like it needs a complete, it, it just it, it like, Everyone, like I said, everyone in position of power in Hockey Canada should not ha- should not be in that position when we wake up tomorrow. Yep. It's, that's not the world we live in, unfortunately. But it, that's that would be a just world. Um, and I mean, the, we already know the NHL is run by you know people who just don't get it, who perpetuated this, at who who like I, okay. I think the nicest thing you could possibly say is that they don't get it. The worst thing you can say is that they perpetuated this or caused it. Um, we already said that Gary Bettman said that he doesn't think that hockey has a culture problem. He said that two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's pretty disgusting uh, for those comments to be out there in public, especially with everything that's going on. Um, all I all I know is that I hope that I hope that everyone yeah. involved in this gets the closure that they deserve. Um, on that note, I think we're going to leave it at that uh, for the episode today. Um, Jesse has fatherhood duties to do. I am going to finish the Netflix original movie, The Gray Man. Um, it's actually been pleasantly nice. I, I've, I've enjoyed it. The reviews haven't been great, but you know what? I'm having a rip roaring good time in my own apartment watching this movie. Um, There's a baby shark compilation on YouTube. It's two hours long. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I got, I, I think today I got through about three quarters of it before it was all said and done so yes he's a broken man you enjoy that show buddy i sure will um we will see you next week we'll be back to talk about casperi capitan incredible can't wait to talk about that uh that's something that overlaps both of us and i'm sure we both love this player it's gonna be great all right uh y'all take care now stay cool